1: During the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business.
0: Today, we have a, I actually think this is a really fun topic. It's a little nerve wracking for some. I know certainly for myself at times, the idea of hiring help. And when we should look to hire help to help support us in our businesses. So, something that financial coaches, we actually were just on with the AFCPE like 45 minutes ago, talking about how financial coaches can be kind of cheap when Mm -hmm. it comes to investing in our own businesses and how that can really be a detriment. So, this is a fun kind of continuing that part of the conversation around one way to invest in your business. Hiring help and when the best time is to do that. Yeah.
1: So let's rock and roll. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I'll start with a statement that if any of you were inside of that live Q and A session, I think there were like 30 people in it. So there's probably a couple of people watching this that were in it that I'll repeat, which is financial coaches are horrible business owners, and the reason why is because that
0: with love. I do, that I do, love.
1: yeah. And the reason why is because the things that are natural, the things that make us successful in our personal finances are not the things that are going to make a business owner successful. And the idea of finding ways to save money is probably the biggest one. Because unlike your personal life, when you spend an extra $50 on a shirt, you don't get a raise at work. Sure. You could have some convoluted explanation of how that shirt is going to put you in a better position with your boss and blah, 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 blah. But no, it's not really going to happen. That's not true with the business. When you spend an extra $50, you might get a raise at work because it brings in more clients. It allows you to expand your services to your clients. It lowers your costs or increases your efficiencies in other areas. And so we can't look at our business's finances in the same way that we look at our personal finances. The other group were, are horrible business owners that I said in the AFCP were lawyers. Lawyers are terrible business owners. And why was that? Lawyers are all about risk aversion. Risk aversion is not, does not go well with business ownership. And I know a lot of lawyers who are business owners. The whole having a wife
0: who is a Who's lawyer. A lawyer?
1: Yeah, we'll help you in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, in that field, in that area. Yeah. So, so where do you want to start with uh, hiring help? And we're keeping help more general, just to clarify. Yeah. So, right now, including VAs, bookkeepers, we could say employees, yeah. although.
1: Yeah. And what I would say is, if anyone has specific questions, so we're going to talk about when and why in this live. If you have a particular type of thing that you're thinking about hiring, or you're interested in learning more about how to hire, like how to hire a VA or how to hire a bookkeeper, throw it in the comments and we'll look at a future live for that. As far as the when goes, it is really important that you look at hiring them as early as you possibly can. My recommendation is once you have consistent income, start looking at spending that income on efficiencies in your business, on outsourcing things that are not your expertise. And while you are an expert at building a budget, while you are an expert at guiding people in in managing their finances, you are not an expert in keeping books. That is a very specific skill. And unless you have actually had training, in fact, most CPAs don't know how to do bookkeeping. (laughs) They learned it back in college when they learned like, really their first couple of classes and they didn't really learn bookkeeping. They learned the foundation of it. But bookkeeping is a specific skill and there are specific classes just in bookkeeping that most accounting majors don't have to. And that's not to say that CPAs couldn't figure it out. And a lot of CPAs do add that as part of their practice, but it's not, it's a different skill. And so similarly, the, the idea of a VA. And those are the two that we're going to focus on as our examples in this. Of course, if anyone has specific questions about other types of things, let us know and we'll answer that, that as well. But the earlier you can do it, the second you have recurring income, start looking at outsourcing those things.
0: Yeah. And that's something that we talked about in the previous session, which was it, in an ideal world, you would be able to still have your other job or still have a full-time job and then start financial coaching on the side as a, as a part-time gig or side hustle. And then to reinvest all of the money that you um, either save or reinvest into the business, all of the money that you're making from your financial coaching side hustle so that you aren't dependent on that income and can help your business grow via investing the money into it as early as possible. So that's where the, the income would come from.
1: So two that generally crop up are a VA and a bookkeeper. So Garrett and I were talking before this about which one to focus on. And Garrett said, well, I assume a VA would be the best one to hire first, a virtual assistant. And I said, oh, no, a bookkeeper might be better. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. So why, why did you think that a VA might be the better one? And then I'll talk about why I thought the bookkeeper, and then we can kind of explore that,
0: yeah. Well, I realized that I'm a little biased because I thought about this specific to my financial coaching business and how I did the books for my financial coaching business, and it wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. Kind of forgetting that I learned how to do the book uh, the books for the business before that. And that was really hard to learn. And so I just kind of glossed over the fact that I struggled to learn that. In a previous business and was like, oh, but when I did the books for Be Awesome Not Broke, it was fine because I'd already struggled to learn it earlier. So I may not completely stand by my previous assertion. Uh, I think part of it stems from the fact that even basic bookkeeping services can run in a couple of hundreds of dollars a month. And once you get the skill down, yeah, it takes me like 10 minutes a month or 15 minutes a month. It's very short just because I don't have a whole lot of transactions Mm-hmm. I now have, I guess it's partly because I've done it for now eight years, right? So I've, I have a fair amount of experience. So I I also can see where you're coming from where, yes, it, you'll probably be paying more in the beginning or you're, it may seem like a lot in the beginning, but also your time becomes more valuable in the sense that you can increase what you charge for. And as more transactions happen, you don't want to spend more of your time managing those
1: transactions as your time becomes, quote unquote, more valuable. So VA and bookkeeping are generally two of the top priorities, one of the earliest things. There are a few other things that you might look at bringing in early, but those are two really, really good things to bring in. With regards to the VA, the main reason why VAs are so helpful is because there's just a lot of low-level administrative stuff that you have to do that takes up your time and takes you away from doing the more valuable stuff like networking, like having client calls, like having prospect calls, like doing sales activities, all things that will have a much bigger impact on the growth of your business, as opposed to updating an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Right. The reason why bookkeeping is why I said bookkeeping is where I would lean to first is there's a few reasons. First, once you get to learn bookkeeping, it's not that hard. At the same time, it still takes a lot of time to learn it, to learn the systems. In addition to that, the bookkeeping, it's very easy to mess it up without realizing that you're messing it up. Yeah. And so just because you think you've learned how to do it does not necessarily mean that you're doing it in a way that's accurate or correct. I found that out in that first business. The sec, uh, in addition to that, when you mess it up, that will increase your costs with your CPA because they're going to have to spend time at a much higher rate correcting those mess ups or you'll file your taxes incorrectly. And theoretically, if there's a lawsuit, your books could be subpoenaed in that lawsuit and that could cause problems as well. So there are, there are these sort of ripple effect risks as a result of bookkeeping. And this is not to say that you're going to get sued because you categorized a transaction wrong or anything like that. This is just all those tiny little things that add on to why bookkeeping makes a lot of sense. to outsource. I outsource my bookkeeping, not because I can't do it, but because I don't want to. Right? Yeah. Spending that 10 or 15 minutes once a month I would much rather do something else with that time. In addition to that, it's not just the 10 or 15 minutes of bookkeeping that I'm getting out of it. It's I have a, an advertising relationship with a company. When that is turned on, I have to track certain things in my books, do calculations off of it, and then provide reports in order to pay that bill. Now I've gone from a 10 minute a month job to having to do a couple of hours every quarter on that one thing. And it's a lot nicer just to have the bookkeeper send me that email. Because it also means that I don't have to keep track of when that report is due. The bookkeeper does that for me, right? Because they're going to send it to me when it's due. Oh, great. I got the report, read through it, send it forward it on and I'm done. So my job goes from hours worth of work to three minutes of reading and clicking the forward button. <laughs> and that's a, that's a big uh, advantage for the, being able to focus on my business and build my business. And then the final reason is that bookkeepers are easier to manage. When you hire a bookkeeper, generally, they have a very structured, very straightforward process they say, here is what the fee is going to be. It's this month a month based on the number of transactions or the number of sales you have. It'll go to this month a month. If you go up to this next tier, here's the process that we go through. You provide us with this checklist of things. We do this checklist of stuff. And so it's, it's very easy to turn that on and reclaim that time with a VA. It doesn't work that way. And Garrett, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about that because we hired VAs for FCN. Yeah. And it is a lot more effort. There's a lot more management of the people. It's a lot of work on your end because you're co-creating the relationship with the VA. So it's not the VA is going to tell you, oh, you want me to do... To help you with your emails. No problem. Here's the checklist of things. It's okay. Let's talk about how you want to, us to do this. And that is a lot of extra work. And part of this is just about not biting off more than you can chew in your first hiring and hiring a bookkeeper is just simple and easy. It's like buying a box of cereal. It's not quite that easy, but it's pretty damn easy.
0: And that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it really from that standpoint of plug and play to a certain degree with a yes. hiring bookkeeper they have the processes set up they have the checklist it's just put this here but with a va right you're co-creating or you're having to create this, this SOPs the standard operating procedures and coming up with what the processes look like and then managing that and there's a lot more back and forth i think of you no know, here's how i want it you know let's clarify and set expectations and um Yeah, it is definitely a much
1: more involved process than a bookkeeper with, with a VA or with VAs. Yeah. And while VAs can help you with a lot more stuff than a bookkeeper can, that also means that their costs can expand much greater, right? Bookkeepers have very structured pricing. You know exactly what you're getting and you know exactly what would cause you to move into that higher tier. With a VA, It's what I call spontaneous expenses, which is the VA, wow, they really helped me with that. Well, I'm going to give them this other project. And you may not be doing a good job of tracking how many hours that you're actually having the VA do. And as a result, you may be surprised by the bill.
0: I also wonder if this is just me projecting or things that other coaches feel, but like kind of this question of, and I've seen it come up a fair amount of times in the group, which is, you know, can you really make a full-time income off of this financial coaching thing? Mm-hmm. And so I think there is definitely some concern and I felt it myself when getting started. Well, also I made the mistake of jumping off full-time into financial coaching with not right. a large enough runway. So I didn't really give myself much of an opportunity to do what we are telling you to do. Hindsight being twenty twenty 20 from personal experience, but like, yeah, can I... Will I really make enough to hire all of these different people and outsource these different things? You know, if I pay two to three hundred bucks a month for a bookkeeper and then VAs and then some other people to help with marketing and then yada yada, and I'm and I'm supposed to reinvest a lot of the money that I make in my business while I'm sold part-time. Oh, geez, how much money am I going to make or do I need to make in order to cover that? just to address that if people are feeling that way. Um, I think that is a real concern and there are people in in this group, like I earn a full-time living off of this and have the money to invest in services and in products. But it's, I certainly didn't feel that way when I was starting out, partly because of the situation I put myself in with going full-time immediately. But I think that's a, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more common than I think.
1: So one of the things that you have to think about is the capacity limits. There are three primary capacity limits that every business face faces. The first capacity limit is employee. The second capacity limit is storage, and the third capacity limit is equipment. So, with regards to employees, if you have no employees. Congratulations, you are employee number one. So your time is the capacity limit for that. With regards to storage, if it's a retail store, we're talking about physical shelf space. If it's a like a podcast, you're talking about how much storage does Lipson give you for each podcast episode based on the amount that you paid for. It can even be as simple as back before pandemic when I had clients come into my office. I always wanted to have copies of brochures and contracts already printed off, ready to go so that if a client asked a question, I could pull out three copies, one for myself, one for each of the clients, if there's two clients in there, and we can kind of talk through it together right? as as having something. And what that means is I want to make sure that I have enough inventory in order to do that, but I don't want to have a giant filing cabinet filled up with brochure and so storage can look can take lots of different roles. Um if you have there are some financial planning platforms out there, I think one of them that's being pitched to financial coaches has a limit on the number of clients that you can have in it. And so that's going to be the capacity there, right? The storage capacity there. And the question becomes what is going to what capacity limit are you going to hit first? And when? With financial coaches and with most service business owners, the first capacity limit and the most common one to come up as, it's going to be the next one as well, is the time limit. We don't have as much equipment limit, although that definitely can happen because if you have a slower computer, that's going to limit your ability to do work with clients to fill in Excel sheets. But generally, the most common thing that comes up is time. When you are trying to do everything yourself, there are only so many hours in the day. Every minute you spend on one thing, is a minute that you take away from another. And you can look at it and say, well, if I retain all of the work, 100% of the work, I only have to bring in $60,000 a year, let's say, as my revenues, because I'm doing everything and I have no expenses, not realistic, but let's just Theoretical scenario, right? Um, And so I only need to bring in $60,000 a year of client revenue. Of course, if I have $60,000 worth of expenses, I have to bring in $120,000. I have to double my revenue. But that's not considering what that $60,000 worth of expenses is going to do for your business. Yeah, It's going to be easier bringing in clients If you have a $10,000 a year marketing budget versus a $0 a year marketing budget, it is going to be easier managing your calendar and the emails and responding to clients and updating your website and everything else when you have a VA than when you don't have a VA or when you have a bookkeeper than when you don't have a bookkeeper. And so while I'm... what. We're not saying is go out and hire all these people from day one and just invest twenty thousand dollars a month into your business to get to one hundred and twenty thousand. Right, that's not what we're saying. It is something where, as your revenues grow, you should be looking to spend a much higher percentage of your income than you probably are comfortable with in the beginning, because that those initial spends are going to bring in revenue at a much faster rate at a higher much higher ROI than later spends well if you're doing it strategically. And so you always want to think about that idea that your time is a huge limiting factor, a huge capacity issue. And that capacity, what the, what the limiting factor is is limiting the growth of your business. And you will grow faster the more you spend on reclaiming your time so that you can spend your time on the higher value things in your business like working with clients, like meeting with prospects, like networking, you know, those types of things.
0: So yeah, we'll talk about maybe the how of hiring, um, particularly like a bookkeeper or a BA for a different live, but if there's anything else, actually just before then, Chi asked a question, is there a percentage of your income going back to your business? Maybe like a, is there a particular percentage? of your income that goes back into your business kind of as a, and this may be, you know, different percentages at different times or based on particular situations, but do you have any rules of thumb that you have in mind?
1: Yeah. Good rule of thumb. I see a smart ass response in the making. (laughs) Good rule of thumb Uh, in the beginning, in the beginning. I'm assuming you can see that.
0: I think so. Uh, There's a little delay on Facebook itself, but it's showing up on my screen. So, hopefully. Perfect. So, they'll see it. Um,
1: The answer is you want to be putting as much as you possibly can in. Now, it's very important. One of my books that I'm going to write at some point is on my philosophy with regards to business budgeting. And it's very important that you separate. Recurring expenses and recurring income and non recurring income, and you separate obligated expenses and non obligated expenses. Okay. So if something is an obligated expense. You want to either match that to recurring income or you want to have a much bigger cushion. An obligated expense is an expense that you have a Contractual, legal, or social obligation to pay. Yeah. Right? Hiring a VA is a non-obligated expense because there's no agreement, you know, it's just whatever hours you need. Hiring a VA with a contract that says that you will pay X number of dollars a month for this many hours is an obligated expense. And hiring an assistant full time who has given up the ability to work for anyone else is a social obligated expense because you will screw up their lives if you three months later say, just kidding, you're out of work, right? Yeah. And so you can, put, you can spend a much larger amount of your, of your income on the non-obligated expenses, the things where you have a lot more control over of saying, well, I'm going to spend more this month and less this month because you can adjust those expenses with the income. On the flip side, the obligated expenses, you want to have a bigger cushion in there because of the fact that you are obligated. And so those ups and downs in your income, you want to allow for a little bit of dip in income before it starts to get to the point where you have no obligated expenses. And then as we look at investing in your business, you want to identify things that will help you in multiple aspects of your business. So if you, so when we're looking at what do I do before I start the business, before I have income coming in, those are things you want to invest in where you, where you get multiple aspects of your vi- business handled, right? So you don't want to invest in a marketing, like a social media marketing company, because all that's providing you with is the social media marketing side. It doesn't provide you with how do I have sales conversations? What about my website? What about my process with clients? What about dealing with the financial right? You want to hire things that are address multiple things. From a shameless plug standpoint, launch is an example of this. From a my own personal experience standpoint, the first thing that I invested in in my business was an XYPN membership, not because I couldn't, I didn't know all the stuff that they provided, but because I didn't want to do all of that stuff. <laughs> and oh so goodness. this was about hiring outsourcing a bunch of work that I didn't want to do. Got it. And XYPN is basically the CFP financial advisor version of of FCN. And so. Those are things that you want to think about even before you have income. I would not recommend spending a bunch of money on a marketing program because most likely that marketing program is going to be one tiny part of a larger ecosystem that's required to be successful. And spending the money on one part of an ecosystem is not going to be sufficient to actually have the success that you're going to want to have out of it. The 100% Kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but is an actual answer. All of your money should go either to saving up for a runway or to investing in the business. For my business, for 2020, my, the amount of money that I reinvested in my business for 2020 was 100 uh, percent of the income from the business minus the amount of money that I needed to turn a profit in order to have $25,650 of total self-employment self taxable income. I imagine there is a reason behind it. Yes. So I have a, what's called a non-covered pension, meaning that there are Certain calculations in my pension that affect my social security. However, there are rules within those things that affect social security where, under certain circumstances, it reduces the amount of reduction in social security. And so that's the number for 2020 that I needed for that specific set of rules.
0: Sounds exciting, I tell you (laughs) what.
1: (laughs) But this is why running a business is more complicated than a lot of people believe because even just financial, comprehensive financial planning in general is more complex than a lot of people believe, including a lot of financial advisors, because there are like these little weird things that you need to think of. Got it. Yeah.
0: Well, those are all the questions that we had so far. I think it'll be fun. I mean, I feel like we hit on pretty well, the, the different points of hiring people sooner than you think, how it, why it's so important to hire people early and how it can We kind of touched on the limiting factor for growth is business owners' inability to make that investment or let go of things. Is there anything else that you want to cover and make sure that we
1: touch on before we jump off? Just like your clients, their emotions are one of, if not the biggest barriers to their success financially,
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: our emotions as business owners is one of if not the biggest barriers to our own success. And so when you hear something like what we're talking about now with the idea of investing or you heard, you saw that 100% number, if you have an emotional reaction to that of fear, of wanting it to be wrong, of wanting to poke holes in it, pay attention to that emotion that's going on because it is likely Driving you in the wrong direction. You yes, say dropping truth bombs. <laughs> I didn't mean to drop it. I was I was hoping to give it. I, I apologize if it didn't make it all the way to you.
0: And thank you. But no, this is a great conversation. I mean, one that I wish I would have done sooner. And and you know, that gets back to the whole wish I would have started my business on a whole separate foot. But
1: we can't go back in time, and that's a whole different challenge. If it makes you feel any better, I, I wish I had uh, hired my VA, hired my, my paraplanner, and hired my bookkeeper earlier than I did. You always wish you did it earlier than you did, no matter when you did it.
0: That's a very good point to keep in mind to help normalize. Like Whatever you're feeling, it'll probably be, I did this too late. Yeah. So, Awesome. Well, thanks as always, Josh. I appreciate it. And yeah. Thanks for everyone who showed up and asked questions. Good to see you as always, Chi. Love you, Chi. <laughs> and we'll be on next week at same time. So 1115 AM Pacific. I think that's, let's see, 2.15 PM Eastern time. on oh, it. I and I'm crushing this time game or time conversion game. And uh, yeah, we'll see you around in the group. Thanks everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. So you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well.